Defining Connection Economy Radio. This is Tribe FM. Right, good morning, Mr. Barnes. How are you today? Hey, 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 Mr. Black, I'm ready to go. Can we go? Let's go. Let's go. It's all in your hands, good sir. The Power of Free Part 2, Part 2 of 12, of course, discussing your prescient ideas, how they've unfolded, and how things look in a post-COVID world. The floor, sir, is yours. Yeah, 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 right. Okay, so... What I want to talk about today particularly is uh, about being an expert and having an expert niche. Mm. Uh, the, the fundamental requirement for a business in the connection economy uh, is to be an expert in something. Because if, if you're not an expert in something, uh, you are just sort of one of the one, one, you're a run-of-the-mill operator or you're just a disposable industrial economy type dispensable person. So you've got to have some expertise and you've got to be able to reflect that expertise, that, 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 that expertise as value. And so the importance of being an expert came to me through something I subsequently came to understand was sort of endorsed by Charlie Munger. And that was to do one thing and do it better than everybody else. It just so happened that I became good at Hong Kong immigration. And I did, I took that path because there was nobody specializing in immigration at the time that I made the decision that I had the competency to sort of, you know, travel down that path exclusively. Mm. Um, so after the fact, of course, I came to realize it was actually a very smart thing to have done. Um, but, but, but that notwithstanding, and given that, you know, I do have the benefits of a formal education after all <laughs> I have, <laughs> Um, I have ventured down other paths when it comes to being an expert. And the reality is that whilst you, you can become an expert very quickly in one particular thing, you know, they say 10,000 hours and all the rest of that, it's absolutely true. You can become an expert. But I've also discovered that you should stick to your knitting. Mm -hmm. Because in, in my life so far, um, when I get right down to it, I've only ever made any money out of Hong Kong immigration. And notwithstanding the fact that I had a 10-year odyssey into a, a woman's condition called menorrhagia, which is dysfunctional uterine bleeding that uh, was solved by a uh, product and um, company of mine uh, that was called Microwave Endometrial Ablation from a, uh, a company that I was investing on the board of and invested and raised money for and uh, got very heavily involved in and had a lot of experience, great loads of experience out of it, got FDA approval for it, got, you know, anyway, I, I won't talk about that too much. But I became an expert in, in, in women's menstrual problems and how they are fixed. Um, in another life, I became an expert in uh, the problem of email management uh, inside particularly the Microsoft Outlook OS software. And uh, the reason why I got involved in that was because Martin and I, at the end of the 1990s, had invented, uh, developed, uh, and were using a, a really nifty piece of in-house developed software for managing the Hong Kong immigration process and all the new efficiencies that we got out of that all went sort of, you know, out the window when email increasingly became the tool of communication. And I, it drove me nuts because, you know, email had been designed, email software had been designed by people have an engineering-centric view of the world, and they never really gave any thought to how the normal human being might want to interact with this technology. So anyway, I went off and on a seven-year, one-and-a-half million Austral Australian dollar investment lost journey. Um, 
and became an expert in all things sort of workflow and workload and organizational management. So that's my second area of expertise. Um, my uh, my other uh, my other area of expertise has has now really become this stuff called intelligent content marketing, as I've been developing it and thinking about it and publishing to it for the last. Uh, well, uh, seven, eight, nine years now altogether, and then Hong Kong immigration all told. So I have, you know, had four areas of expertise in my life. Uh, I'm 57, coming up to 58 now, uh, and started getting those experiences really just as I came out of law school when I was 32. Um, but yeah, sticking to anything has proven to be the most important uh, part of being an expert. And, and I, I suspect that, you know, going forward, other experts that develop the intelligent content marketing business will, will become experts in very, very, you know, uh, tightly uh, configured niches. So uh, yeah, becoming an expert is a, an integral part of uh, building a connection economy business. Mm, okay. Um, and, you know, we talk, we're talking about a post-COVID world and that uh, the job prospects for a lot of people are not going to be the same. And I think there would be a natural inclination for a lot of people if they can't find work in their particular niche to look outside of their niche and try and upskill, learn new things just to survive. Is there a way around that? Well, that's a great, that's a great comment stroke observation, right? I think it then speaks to the psychology of, 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 of people and how they respond to the reality that the world has changed. Some people just don't have the wherewithal to operate outside of what they've always known. It's beyond their sort of, you know, constitutional competency, if you will. Mm. Um, I think that that the availability of the idea, intelligent content marketing, and obviously all the material and everything that you need to be able to adopt it 100% free, I think the availability of it will serve as a catalyst to its adoption. And the more people adopt it, uh, the more uh, those others that are not um, sort of presenting themselves on the web in the particular way that their, you know, their, their competitors are not. Those who are not are going to have to be looking at that and saying to themselves, "Goodness gracious me, I think I need to do that because, you know, um, it looks like it's it's, it, it's valuable because he's doing it, but." You know, I, he's producing materials that's creating relationships ahead of me. I've I've got to get on and sort of do something like that of my own. And the only other way, the only way to do it is via the internet. So, mm. the only way that you can really, you know, develop a posture in relation to that is that as we as we discussed prior, mm. um, you know, go into a micro niche and just produce something that's particularly you know, different from what else, what, what else is out there on the web and seek to dominate that particular niche and call that one your own. Okay, let's, so, let's, um, let, let's see if we can come up with a practical example and I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can give you a, an occupation and let's see how we can see how this as a niche can be dominated by a professional in a different way on the internet. Say somebody is an accountant with expertise in tax, for example. Uh, in in a traditional world, uh, if his job prospects weren't looking good, he would go out and find one of the big four accounting firms or a smaller company that needed an in-house accountant that had tax expertise, and so would be life in the industrial economy. Post-COVID, that's changed. What does he right, do okay. now? Right, okay. So very classic, classic example. How do you solve that problem? Mm. Okay. So what you do is you say, right, I'm a tax expert. Um, and let's say I'm a tax expert in purely 
rural and farming affairs. Right. So what are the top 100 questions that farmers have about their tax and how they do and how it impacts how they do business mm -hmm. um, every year? So what are the top 100 questions? So you produce phenomenally good, good content that answers those questions and at the same time imparts the qualities that you represent. In addition to that, you set up a line of content that's basically you telling your story. You know, obviously your personal story, your professional story, and the story of why you've adopted this new business model via the web, mm. right? So that you get, you're creating transparency for uh, anyone that lands on the website to understand who the author of this stuff is and whether he's worth having a relationship with. So you solve that problem in that fashion. But the reason why they're there is to sort of get to grips with the tax position in relation to farming rural matters mm. top 100 questions produced in a lovely way and then all of the actionable things that need to happen to get the outcomes from the consumption of your content that answered those questions into a practical solution you give them all the tools and all the resources so it's a one-stop place for them to do it themselves Okay. Therefore, they've got no reason to go anywhere else on the web to solve that particular problem, and they know that this is the place to come for it. By the same token, what's going to happen is that because of the nature of your expertise involves, for the most part, it's not filling in forms. It's not making sure the debits and credits are all accurate. It's being able to interpret the policy that allows you to treat you know, income and expenses in the context of a farming and rural business so that you can get the most efficient outcome from all of that, correct? Yep. So even though you can give, you can produce, you could produce 50 mini videos, talk to camera, one minute each one, cheap and easy to do, easy to publish, whatever, that, that those each one of those one minute videos could talk in great detail at some of the sort of nuances that you need to take into consideration and understand how things can be impacted as you're making your determinations when you fill out your tax form and you apply the advice that's included in this stuff. But you give them everything that they need for them to be able to conclude that actually, even though they can do all this stuff themselves, they probably would want to have somebody to do it for them. So then they turn over and they look, oh, look, there's a link to this, this this other website where he talks about actually solving these problems for us for a fee. What's this all about? So you take them, he'd take them off that website onto a new website and there you can talk commercially. But you also want to be offering a service that's kind of different from other things in the marketplace because one of the secrets about publishing in this fashion is that you know, you, you, your platform of, of content that answers questions helps solve problems. Your competitors haven't got that. So if they haven't got that, they can't compete with you in terms of the services that you can configure specifically being able to draw down on and interpret the material that's in your free websites. Mm -hmm. That's what we did in the Hong Kong Visa Center, right? Mm -hmm. So we sell stuff that our competitors can't. And then over on, uh, and while you're over on this site where you are, you know, thinking about a commercial relationship you're so 
not overwhelmed, but you're so com uh, convinced by you know what you're being presented with that you just think to yourself, this is amazing. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want this guy to solve my tax problems. I don't want anybody else to solve my problems. And that's how you do it. All right. So given, given that, let's use our accountant or, or any other person that's sort of middle-aged that's got his degree that has only used the computer as a tool. And if we use the accountant again in terms of spreadsheets, reports, et cetera, et cetera, generally don't have an understanding of how the internet really works. And perhaps only from a practical point, they want to know where this restaurant is, that is, et cetera. So they'll go to the, the internet with a question or looking for a product. How easy is it to convince somebody who is traditional in their way of operating their business that they can be an expert in their specific niche and use the internet for their own benefit? Well, okay. I think the answer to that, uh, the, only, the only real answer to that is that I don't think people need to be convinced. Okay. Um, I think it's going to become perfectly clear over the next two to three years that the world has changed and the connection economy is all about what happens on the web. So you have to be on the web. Don Tapscott said years ago, you know, inevitably all businesses will be internet based businesses. Um, so, so if you want to be the operator that you've always been, you will carry on do that and you'll certainly have the continuing relationships that you've built up all down through the industrial economy years and you'll be able to probably hang on and it'll all be okay until you know you retire if you're in that sort of generation where you're 10 to 20 years away from hanging up your boots. Mm. Um, and that's the end of you. Um, but but the, the world marches on. So you might be, you know, doing what you've always done. You'll just see, you know, your revenues generally decline and to a point where you're not really concerned about it because you've otherwise got all your sort of, you know, retirement bases covered and you'll just leave it to the next generation to, to go and fight it out for themselves. If but here's another interesting thing too, just if I can sort of mm -hmm. go a little bit further on that. I'm 57, so and I live in Hong Kong and Hong Kong is, a, you know, for the most part, People come here and they make their money in 10 or 15 years and then they're gone. Um, well, you know, I'm, I haven't yet made my money. I've spent a lot of many, many years losing it after, you know, a few of the early years making it. Uh, and I'm now on the point of, you know, coming back again. Um, and what I've discovered in, in, in the years that I've been back here hustling and, you know, building intelligent content marketing, making a, a monopoly for the Hong Kong Visa Center is that my, my age cohort, for the most part, they're all wrapped up in cotton wool, ready for the bath chair. You know, they're, 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 they're digital dinosaurs. They have no ability within their entire life experience, personal nor corporate, to truly understand something called the connection economy. And I know that for a fact. There are some outliers, but I can tell you, I don't see any gray hair entrepreneurs do in this in startup land and really you know forging forging sort of new pathways some some of the fintech guys uh, have proven to be um, quite innovative but but i'd say that the oldest of the fintech guys probably 10 years younger than me so so you know that's about it okay. so i think you know the, the how does it go old soldiers don't die they just fade away hmm. but okay so here, here here's the real crux of the question there was an expectation, perhaps even from yourself, that it would take some years, perhaps some decades for the industrial economy 
to slowly peter out and be replaced by the connection economy. COVID came along and acted as the catalyst that said, bollocks on that, things are going to change and they're going to change right now. Everybody in that generational gap that you spoke about now has to adapt or die. So, Indeed. The question really is how do you adapt and adapt very quickly and understand that you can convert your professional know-how into an internet-based business and relatively quickly? Right. Okay. So the first is, most important is, is you need to get to ha-ha. Mm-hmm. And what I mean, what I mean by that is that you, you you need to understand that in the same way you spent thirty years charting the path of your progress and success through a very well defined landscape, so that you knew how to navigate your way there and how to behave at various points of the way. You've got to you've got to realize that 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 that's done, that's finished. It's a whole new game. That's the bad news. The good news is it's a whole new game, but nobody else really knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. So if you then take your sort of prime, primordial gut need to survive and listen to it via your amygdala, it's called a lizard brain. Seth Gordon calls it the lizard brain. But if the lizard brain kicks in, and forces you to accept that there is a new reality and that for sheer survival purposes, if it's nothing other than sheer survival, once you know that there is a way forward and that it is completely achievable and that the results of investing your intellectual effort and endeavor in bringing about that outcome have been transparently shown to you so that you can make a fully informed decisions about whether or not you should be traveling down this path. Hmm. If you could get to that moment knowing that all of the skills that you must now adopt are all available to be acquired just through a willingness to change the way that you think about how you should be making your living. So you go out and acquire a simple skill. You'll go through the process of understanding that there are places on the internet where you can host websites. Okay, so what's that all about? So there's five or six things that you kind of need to learn for the first time about you know, how websites exist and you know, what the technical infrastructure is behind it and, and what you have to pay to be able to use that technical infrastructure. and and which people, which companies might you want to be dealing with and what sort of assistance is available for you to be able to, um, you know, traverse that stage in, the, the, you know, your, your new platform building that through your acquisition of these new skills. So you've got to get your head around that, for example. And then, then you've got to get your head around this idea called WordPress, which is a, which is a, a template website publishing engine in a box that you kind of put a fresh liquor paint on by putting a theme on top Mm. and populating it with content using very simple to understand um, upload uh, and sort of uh, publishing platform navigation dynamics. All of that is there to be experienced and to be learned for the first time. And, And then you sort of, you understand what that's all about and you understand, you know, 
you know, what kind of additional service help you might need to be able to tweak and fine tune those things that just a little bit beyond your competency at the moment. But you'll be able to acquire that competency down the road as and when necessary, particularly if, if you're, you're generating revenues, as you will be doing. You can turn your attention to those things at that point in time. But, but you basically have to go through this intellectual mind shift where you've got to learn these new skill sets and take confidence out of the fact that there's not that many of them. Mm. They are all completely within the grasp of anyone. No, no disrespect, Jason. Anybody who's got a university degree, right, <laughs> has got... <laughs> okay, carry on. ...has got the wherewithal <laughs> and the intellectual nows to get their head around this stuff, right? So one of our, one of our tribe members, Elspeth Ray... Uh, who figures in our material 39,000 feet, you know, she came up with this idea of a te technical teenager. We follow a case study up every six months. We haven't been able to do it recently because of COVID, so she hasn't been here, so we're going to do it via Skype. But anyway, I think between the first one and the second one, I said to her, I said, right, you know, what's the biggest takeaway that you took from the whole experience of one and a half hour of the Monopoly plan and material in actual fact spent, you know, just delivered against a, a PowerPoint? She said, she said, firstly, the power of free, and she, she went off and told me how she did, how she completely reinvented her orientation towards customers and giving all this stuff away for free. And then she said, but more, you know, then secondly, she said, I'm no longer a technical, I'm no longer a digital dinosaur, I'm a technical teenager. She said, you know, previously I would just send, you know, all websites or send it off to somebody else to do right. She says, but now I understand what it's all about. I'm paying attention and I'm, I'm listening to these people that are coming in and trying to sell me stuff. And I'm asking them questions that, you know, are informed now because I know about this stuff. And, and I'm more efficient because I can, you know. So anyway, there's an, there's an example of how these skill sets and can be re readily acquired. And I don't know how, God bless her, I don't know how old she is, but she's in her early 50s, no doubt about that. She's got a 20-odd-year-old daughter, so she, yeah. So she's up in that bracket. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, once you've gotten to ha, -ha Jason, uh, then it's a case of, all right, I know I've got this new task ahead of me. I've got all the resources around me that I need to have to be able to complete this journey. Uh, it's all proven. This guy, Stephen Barnes, and his team, they're all transparent. It's all there for me to emulate. I can trust it. I can get on with it. Therefore, Jason, it means the only thing that's stopping the advancement of people getting on with this is what's between their ears. Mm. Okay, so... Now, now I'm going to throw the cat amongst the pigeon questions, given that you did remind me that I'm not a man with the benefit of a formal education. So I'm going to ask you this. Not everybody is an expert in their niche. And generally, those who are experts in their respective niches would probably find it easier to find a job than most people. So given that COVID has changed the world, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't experts in their niche. So how do they go about becoming experts? and then using uh, intelligent content marketing to build their business? Because this cannot right. be something well, well, that applies well, to 1%. Absolutely. Well, hang on. Yeah. So so here, there's two things going on here, right? There's, there's the proven application of intelligent content marketing in a professional services expert know-how niche that's really only got 50,000 audience amongst it. So it's a very, very micro niche at the end of the day. Hmm. So there's... There's all of the learnings for other people who are genuinely are professionals to look exactly at how I've done it. And, you know, I just roiled off for you how 
um, you would apply intelligent content marketing in the context of being a tax planner, right, or a tax expert or whatever. Correct. So there's 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 probably twenty to thirty million people when you're counting all the world's consultants and others, right, that have got sufficient expert know-how, now and expertise within them to utilize this business model by just completely copying everything that they see in relation to the Hong Kong Visa Center. So there's all of those people. Mm. Now, in the same way as, you know, there's kind of like only one Uber, Lyft type business model, and there's only one Airbnb type business model, and there's only one sort of Facebook type business model, Google type business model. There's only one of those, right? For, for, for the expert know-how professional, intelligent content marketing is, is for them. But most importantly is that intelligent content marketing itself represents a mind shift. It's a collection of ideas that you can take down and at least give you a framework to do some thinking where if you're not actually an expert in a niche, but you've got the ability to solve a particular problem at a 10 times content fashion. And what I mean by that is that you produce content 10 times better than your, 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 your closest competitor or yeah, that anybody else is that anybody else is at least publishing to that you've been able to zoom, observe through a content audit. So if you have the ability to publish content that answers a particular question that helps solve a problem, intelligent content marketing gives you at least the framework to start thinking about how you can adopt these ideas and, and, and inject them into a business model that will, will address that particular problem that may not need expertise per se. It may just be that you know you, you corral or curate the most utility in relation to a, a, a problem that exists that needs someone to solve. Um, mm. And if you create all of that, that could be just as compelling as as if you'd you know written something like the Hong Kong Visa Handbook or the Encyclopedia of Intelligent Content Marketing. Perfect. So so yeah, at a at a sort of a very sort of thirty nine thousand feet level, the whole thinking behind intelligent content marketing empowers a way to understand what the connection economy is all about. Mm. And because the Encyclopedia of Intelligent Content Marketing is one hundred percent free, you can take a horse to water, Jason, but you can't make it make them drink, right? No, not even the uneducated ones, my friend. So tell me now, what are we going to be covering in the next um, episode? Right. So we are now, uh, we talked about expert niches today, mm. didn't we? Yes, we did. Purple Cow, Seth Golding. Yay. Great stuff. Oh, I can wax lyrical about Purple Cow forever. <laughs> <and> <laughs> you waxing lyrical person, you will catch up next time. You have a great day. 